and um, I'm realizing that things are changing and I don't think they're necessarily in a in a good or bad way I have no I have no opinion about them changes change you know I've uh, been working on and I probably mentioned this in the last episode I've been working on transferring a lot of my sessions which are face-to-face uh, and they're moving into what we know as telemedicine which is therapy using video calling which is a great idea actually it's now I'm, I'm really into it it's pretty exciting to do that it feels less lonely I think for patients to that are isolated and they get to talk to someone and see them and interact with them it's something better than nothing let me just tell you so I'm I'm, I'm okay with it I'm I'm on board now I'm starting to accept it and um, even find myself uh introducing new skills when working with someone online and so it's really challenging me in a good way so um that's what I want to say about that so I was talking to a therapist today and she was texting me and she said hey Tala are you experiencing a little bit more exhaustion even though you're at home and you're working from home are you experiencing an increased level of exhaustion and it's a great question I mean, <laughs> it's a great question. So I was thinking about it for a minute and I thought, yeah, yeah. And I even told her, I said, you know, I think every patient that I've been uh, talking to or the majority of patients have been highly anxious more than usual. And my job is to be at a higher, usually higher vibrational level than they are because a lot of the times when I'm meeting people, uh, it's doom and gloom for the majority of the sessions. People have extreme ways of thinking and I have to kind of bring them back into a nice safe place. So it does take some time. So the common topics before when I was working in the clinic, when people come and see me, it would be the common topics, the common holds of I'm bored, I'm I'm sad, I'm grieving loss, things have been changing, divorce, breakups. Um, phobias and now I think everybody's going through this doom and gloom you know it's interesting perception because the average person that I'm talking to is perceiving that they are to be punished that this is a punishment and they it tells me a lot about where they're coming from as in the background if I perceive this is a punishment then this is not just a new thing. I probably have a habit of perceiving things that don't come out as expected in my life as a form of punishment. It's not like one day I grow into this mentality. No, 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 I've had it for a while. So healing this mentality of I think I'm being punished and the worst is going to happen because I deserve the worst because I've been a bad person or variation of this expression. Um, It is false and it really points us to a place that we need to heal within ourselves. 
that if we really think that we are not worthy, we really think that we've done so bad in this world and that we came to this earth to be punished, <laughs> for people to keep score and for us to be punished, you know, that's a, that's a lot to take on ourselves. And so that's kind of the mentality I've been dealing with for the majority of, of our, of, uh, of the people I've been working with and and so I, I kind of confirmed it for the therapist that it is, it can get a little bit exhausting if you are not grounded. And so the idea is that for me as a therapist, I'm realizing I have to do even more grounding than I usually would do because I have to be emotionally available for sometimes eight people a day. And um, it can get exhausting because my vibrational level has to make sure it uplifts other people. It shifts their energy. So if I'm not feeling that great and I'm feeling down and bleak and I see someone and I'm talking to someone that is also experiencing this bleakness, I'm not going to be able to help them up because me and that person will be all both on the same energetic level. And so my recommendation for everybody my friends, everybody, is to get grounded. Because I tell you, this is a secret for me as a therapist working, not only as a therapist, but person on a personal level, I have to ground myself. But I have to double time it now. Now really has to be double timed. And it got me thinking about an important topic that really needs to be talked about because it was such a mystery to me. I think it's definitely far-fetched for many people and to get them to believe that it's it's really a far, far-fetched idea for many. It, they cannot access it from their memory. So, and maybe because some of us don't have that in our memory to access from, so we may not ever produce it. And what I'm talking about is called emotional stability. Now, I know you're thinking like, hey, is that does that really exist? <laughs> Boy, would I like to be emotionally stable. Well, in order for me to explain emotional stability, I got to tell you what's possible. And to tell you what's possible and help you kind of understand how I came to believe in the possibility of this far-fetched emotional stability business, I want you to know where I came from. And um, I'll kind of mention some things. I don't know how far I'll go into detail with that, but sure, I'll do it. I grew up in a violent home. My father was very violent and experiencing this really was, uh, of course, traumatic. And then I had to change and come to a whole different country. And that was, of course, culturally traumatic for me because, of course, I did not fit in. And it was attempting to acclimate or assimilate to the culture. And that was tricky because there was a language barrier. I don't know if you believe that about me or not, but I couldn't really speak good English. Um, I don't think I, st I still do. I still don't, but I'll, I'll try, you know, I can communicate fairly well, but before I really didn't. And um, I was very insecure about that. And so for a while, it was kind of rolling through childhood, attempting to get out of high school as fast as I could. And I noticed there was a lot of instability in my family, even the family that lived here. 
my family can be characterized by very fused, very loving for sure, but definitely very emotional, very loud. Everybody was driven by pride. You know, I think because of my culture, it's very pride driven and that gets us in trouble. Then add a very male dominant culture. And so it has that prideful impact. And I mean, the whole thing was pretty interesting. So to survive in the family I, I survived in, I had to be loud as well. I was also very prideful too, just to survive. And so I learned that. I learned to walk around with a chip on my shoulder, having something to prove. It was unstable because I was reactive and my anger was a motivator. It was such a great motivator. It got me out of high school, going into college. My anger got me to accomplish so many things. I even remember being in boot camp in the Air Force and thinking, let me get angry enough so I can make that run. Let me get angry enough so I can make the push-ups. And it was a motivator. And it's a great motivator. I have to honor that. Um, anger can be such a great motivator. Being perceived as different, having or wanting to be heard and wanting to be solving the problems in extreme ways. That's kind of typical for me. That was familiar to me. I was very loud on the inside. And of course, I had no choice but to be loud on the outside too. And so that's how loudness really happened for me. It's not um that far-fetched to believe that. And it's not far-fetched to believe that my emotional fluctuations really ended up causing me more trouble at work, in professional settings, and also in, in friendships, in relationships. I was angry and had a need to be right could not compromise. So I can relate to almost every patient that comes in. And sometimes people ask me, patients will ask me, do you think I'm crazy? <laughs> and I tell them every time, I don't think anyone is crazy, but I think people have their reasons. So I did. I had my reasons at that time to be angry. And I took it out on people. I was a bully at times I was extreme happiness to me was an accident it was a happenstance it wasn't actually something that I thought I could be I was emotionally not stable when I became offended I took it out on people I thought it was their fault that I was offended so I never really took responsibility for how I felt I hope that makes sense so far so I went from a pissed off teenager into an angry adult and anger became quickly accessed in me. It sabotaged anything I was trying to build because I couldn't count on myself. I couldn't depend on myself too much because I would fluctuate. I would have extreme decision-making. I would be reactive. And it felt like hell. Think about it. Every time I would react on this anger, if I was felt offended, if I, if I perceived or assumed something about you, all, of course, based on my insecurity, if I assumed something about you, I would get offended and I'd brew in it and obsess about it and I would try to change you or argue with you or convince you. I felt even more out of control in an attempt to gain control. Yep, that was me. And um, it was significant. It was significant. And I was doing all of this 
blaming other people for my responses. Wild, right? Wild, wild, wild. But I can understand it. I can understand why anger would be such a great motivator to carry and to keep protecting it and wanting to justify reasons to be angry. But the good news is that emotional stability became important to me kind of when my waking up time came about, you know? When I realized I was the person that was in charge of all of my misery. Yep, I said it, all of my misery. It was the unresolved issues that I had about my childhood, about violence, about love. It was all the messages that I got as a kid that I had to identify and look at. All the messages, all the resentments, all the all the beliefs that I had that were kind of inherited and I never questioned them, I just acted on them. All the pride, all the ego, all that was really the, the legacy I would have left. <laughs> I was known for that. I was known for being a hothead, you know? And I don't blame people at all. I don't blame people from running. <laughs> they saw Tala coming down the alleyway. Just run. I don't blame people. So going to wake up time, identifying that I was the cause of my own trouble. I had to really look at my beliefs. I had to look at those beliefs that I called my identity for so long. And I realized that I was calling them so many things, but they're basically things that I was disguising ego with and pride. It wasn't serving anything except really me sometimes. And it wasn't really serving me even remotely as well as peace does serve me now, right? But it was serving something. It was doing something. I perceived I got something out of it, which is why I kept it for so long. Now, the work that we all do, and even what I push for people to do, is to separate themselves from all that stuff they've learned growing up. So for me, separating myself from the chip I held, I carried on my shoulder, the ego, the pride, the image I wanted to present to people, all that I had to separate who I really am from that image I was giving people and or showing people or trying to manipulate people to see, all that was really, I was doing subconsciously, but now it became very, I became very aware of it consciously, which now gave me options to keep it or release it. And so releasing it became a gradual option for me, especially when I became aware of it. That's the important part of doing work, whether it's in treatment or with, with, with yourself, but really it's preferred in treatment because we want somebody else that's done their work to help you do your work. So they can walk you through this darkness, this shadow. And it, I don't mean shadow in a negative way. I mean shadow as in it's unknown to you. It's You've been just behaving on these things and not knowing why you behave this way. And you guys, if I tell you that it was <laughs> so exhausting, withholding, learning to withhold and not react when I assumed something about someone or when I perceived something or even when people actually said something that could have been offensive to actually withhold my response was so freaking exhausting. 
<laughs> to me, what was effortless before was trying to control you, was trying to argue with you. And maybe I thought that was a form of control if I made you change your mind. But I was just being manipulative. I wasn't learning to have more space with you and allow you to have your own opinions and thoughts and really be open to that and not making it about me. So the beautiful work of getting to know yourself, really getting to know yourself, you're good, you're bad, you're ugly, right? Getting to know it, not judge it, but understand it. So I understand today why I behaved in the angry way I did. I understand what I had to take responsibility for when it came to my anger, to what I needed to heal. Maybe the messages I got about being a woman, messages I got about being uh, in love, being in a relationship, messages I got about being a daughter, messages I got about being a sister, whatever, messages I got, I took responsibility and I still take responsibility for those today as they creep up on me because sometimes they do. But this is continuous work. It sets you free, friends. You really start realizing that people don't mean harm, that most of the harm that you've been perceiving has been the harm that you've been making in your mind. That you've inherited some stuff that you never questioned. You've never learned to see it and separate yourself from it. Separate yourself from it, not making it your identity anymore. That takes work. That really takes work facing your demons. And really your biggest demon, if you want to put it that way, would be you. Just you. My biggest demon was me. I was the creator of my problems. And because I was the creator of my, for my, of my problems, beautifully, I also became the source of its healing. And we are built that way. We are self-healing. And we know this intuitively. We know that on the inside, we have the power to hurt ourselves, right? To get ourselves chemically distorted. Why do you think that we don't have the power to heal? ourselves too. We do, but the healing starts with being, with confronting what we're trying to avoid, with looking at ourselves and admitting that, yes, I am angry. Yes, I have pride. Yes, I want people to do the things that I want them to do. I have expectations of them. Yes, I get angry, but there is no reason to justify anger anymore. Yeah, I get angry, right? And I promise you this, the more you become consciously aware of it and you withhold and you keep working on that, the more free you become. And freedom I mean by people are no longer a problem or a threat. Because you really realize on the inside <laughs> that you've been creating a lot of stories about people that didn't actually tell you about in your own mind. Sometimes when we look at people we assume things about them, assume their intention. We think they're trying to get us. They're out to get us. They are judging us. All of which, my friends, is not true. But apparently we think we're psychics and we believe our own lies, our own delusions. So waking up means waking up, people. That's what it means. And it's a human milestone. Some of us will meet it in this lifetime where we gradually do it. And some of us will not. And what I mean by that is some of us will take responsibility for our feelings and we will realize that we are the source of our happiness 
or we are the source of our misery. And then others will not realize that ever and will continue to blame other people for how they feel. I get it. I get it. It's tricky. <laughs> I get the opinions that people are going to have about this and I don't blame them. I've had them all. But the truth is, when you're left alone and not one person can ever make you happy enough, not one thing can make you ever happy or satisfied enough, then you're going to have to look the last place you've been looking for happiness, and that would be you. When there's nothing left, my money's always on you. And that's how we get that wake-up call. Because we realize it's just, everything that we do is just not enough. And I'll agree with that because it's not what you do or how much you have or what you, what love you're getting from someone that does it. Happiness, emotional stability comes from the inside out. It's never from the outside in. Because if it was from the outside in, my friends, it wouldn't be stable. Because I'm going to have a broken heart. I might lose my job one day. I might have to be quarantined. <laughs> I might um, go through different sicknesses or illnesses. Emotional stability is about being okay with you on the inside beyond okay, being the source of healing on the inside that you need for yourself for the rest of your life. So you don't fluctuate going up and down and use circumstances and people to fluctuate, to fall apart. Use them as an excuse to get angry, to sabotage. We don't need to do that anymore. Healing means I gradually start taking responsibility for my feelings I start asking myself the tough questions. I start understanding my past and taking responsibility for understanding it rather than judging it. Because I can tell you, yeah, I was an angry girl. Absolutely. When people tell me, remember when you did this and this? And I'd say, hell yeah, I do remember. <laughs> I remember that. But I realized that I've basically understood it so well that it is, I understand it with compassion. I understand that ta that Tala back then was suffering. She was in pain. She was hurt. She was lonely. And all those things was the way she behaved because of all those things. It's not an excuse. It's simply understanding her instead of judging her in order for me to change her. So I got a reminder that she is not her anger. She's not the actions she's made in the past or the decisions that she's made. She has something in her that's unchangeable. It's worthy because she's born with it. It's valuable because it's built that way. And that nothing gives her value and worthy from the outside. It is always there on the inside. So when I understood that, it also reminds me that you have that too. And I don't fluctuate too far, too far up or too far down. I go with life. I feel the same things that any human would feel. But today my responses are 
very much on purpose, very precise for the most part, unless it's not within my awareness and that will happen, but it's okay because I can learn from my behaviors. I can learn and I can fix them. I don't need to judge them to do that, friends, or judge myself to do that or call myself any names to do that. I could just do it. I could just change it. It's really important to get that settled within you, to get that conflict on the inside settled, and that you are worthy, and that whatever that's in you that's worthy is always there. But the other behaviors are changeable, friends. <laughs> it's not my identity. It can't be my identity because I can change it at any time. I can change whether I, ha- I react on this anger or not. I can change if I'm rude to people or, or, or not. I can change that. But the worthiness that I already have, that's unchangeable, friends. Whatever on the inside that resides of me, that energy that is always there, and you know what I'm talking about, that is always there. It does not need to perform for love or to get love because it's always lovable. It's always there. But again, my anger is not who I am. It is not. It's changeable. It can't, doesn't have, does not ever have to be an identity. So I don't know <laughs> if this helps us understand emotional stability a little bit more. But it's a good start on a conversation that I think I wanted to have for a while but didn't know how to put it. I want everybody to get to a place where it's, even if you're not born with this information, friends, because I was not, everything about my past would tell you, hey, Tala, you're likely to be emotionally unstable. So becoming in any way emotionally stable or consistent or accountable or reliable, those things that I thought were far-fetched today are not. There's things that I can do today and I can do on purpose. It's gradual. I can do it without self-shaming or self-guilting myself into it. I can I can do it. So can you. If I can do it, most certainly so can you. And it's probably why I do my job the way I do it. I never get bored working with people. I'm always excited to see wherever anybody's at in their journey. It's exciting to me. It never gets boring. Because I keep waiting for that moment when, if I ever get to see it, if I'm ever that lucky... When they wake up, when they get to face themselves and stop judging themselves and learn to see and accept themselves the way I accept them. And maybe that's all I'm there to do is to accept you enough until you learn to accept yourself. Yeah, maybe that's it. I don't know. But I wanted to talk about emotional stability in detail But I think I want to just first implant the important information that if I can do it, you can. And to get you started on that, probably I will do another episode on maybe characteristics that we can start with emotional stability, but it is possible. It is possible. And I hope that I gave you a good mental picture of what it would look like, at least its components. So this way you have it in there if you ever decide to do it. Thank you guys so much for joining me tonight. I hope you are well. And I hope this opportunity for quietness and slowness allows you the safe place to confront you 
It's time. It's time. I'm sending you love, light, and the understanding that whatever that is worthy in you does not need to be invented or created. It only needs to be discovered. It's already there. This has been an episode of Drive Through. Thank you.